The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello there, you lot. A new week, a new episode of the O3C Podcast coming to you from us at O3C Games. I'm Chris Dow and I'm joined today for a slightly different episode by Minty Booth. Take my hand. (laughs) Jonathan Dunn, our usual host, is dead. Announcement! Announcement! Well, not dead. Dead upset at having no internet. But without the internet, yeah. So in this interconnected world, basically deceased. Mm. Did you know we still have a website, o3c.games? There's an archive of episodes, links to other creative avenues like our YouTube, Facebook, OnlyFans, as well as a one-stop shop for those who wish to support us financially at o3c.games slash support. One-off donations, Patreon subscriptions, it's all there and it's waiting for you. And in return, bonus stuff, also for you. Class is back in session and HyperX has the grade A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX Back to School deals going on now at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable cloud headsets can keep you focused in as you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats and stay productive with lightweight Pulsefire mice, responsive alloy keyboards, and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories. Now, it didn't feel right to plow onwards with an amendment episode proper without our fearless leader, so to speak, so we've mixed things up today with this little taster of an episode to keep you all salivating like Pavlov's dog at our collective vocal tombras. Now, in this mini-episode, Minty and I intend to briefly tell you a little about the games we've played in this last week or so. For those interested in our absent friend Jonathan's activity, I think I can say with confidence that it begins with M and ends in Monster Hunter. (laughs) Following last week's chat, he kept his promise in starting a fresh playthrough of Monster Hunter World on the Steam Deck, and no sooner than our last episode went live... Capcom also announced some additional missions and monsters and whatnot for Rise on the Switch. So I imagine he and Casper will have had their dual blades and glaives and warhammers and whatever else kept pretty busy. I've no doubt he'll be keen to fill you all in proper next week. But Minty, you are with us live. What have you been playing this week? Monster Hunter. (laughs) No, I'm only joking. (laughs) Fill in the gap. (laughs) I have been playing a game with monsters, though. Digital Monsters, which I'll come on to in a sec. I've also got a few new things that I've been nibbling on as well. First of all, a new idle game on the tablet there called Idle Research. Lovely. You're making potions. You start off with a red potion that gives you energy, the currency of the game. If you make enough red potions, you can research an orange potion which increases the output of your red potions. When you've got enough orange ones, you can make a yellow potion that increases the output of your orange potions, which in turn increases the output of your red potions, and so on and so forth. Classic, big numbers go up game. We love them here. (laughs) Prestige mechanics are a little more relaxed, I think, than most idle games, which is something that uh, the developer himself admits um, in the game there. Usually when you prestige in a game, you're aiming to boost your output by starting again with 5 or 10, even 100 times um, the output that you had in your previous playthrough. This guy, though, is, is just 
very, very relaxed. Instead of prestige affecting just your output, you get gold potions that can unlock new options in the menu, new accelerators, new ways of upgrading your potions, your output, your research speed, and so on. There's also a solitaire game tacked on for some reason, hmm. which you can play to unlock some of the game's sort of premium currency, like the stuff that you normally have to shell out a bit of money for. Like You, you can get one diamond potion a day for winning a game of solitaire which is quite nice i mean solitaire is a good game yeah so yeah just good fun idle game nice to look at bright colors on a dark background bright spectrum of colors on a dark background is always a winner for me each potion color costs so many potions of the color before it in the spectrum so to make one orange potion you'd need say 10 red potions 100 orange to make a yellow potion, a 1,000 yellow for a green one, etc. So it's really satisfying trying to get that balance of getting the best ratio of each colour potion to maximise your energy output. It's it's fun. It's fun. I've only been playing it for a couple of days, but yeah, I think I'll be carrying on with that for a couple of weeks there. Also, now to gently broach another aspect of gaming that we haven't really explored on the podcast as of late. The board game. Oh, you are the board game aficionado, really. Yeah. So today I received the expansion to my favourite board game, Potion Explosion. Uh, the base game is is great. You're collecting ingredients to make potions, drinking the potions to collect more ingredients to make more potions and get big points. It's tactile, it's fun, it's easy to blast through in about 15 minutes if you're not pretending to be like the Gary Kasparov of scooping up different coloured marbles there. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this expansion for years and just looking for it in general, because it's quite hard to come by. I finally saw it on Amazon at the start of this week, so I bought it with a voucher that I had knocking around. So I'm thrilled to say that today it has now arrived, and I'm excited to learn how to play it. I am less excited to learn German to learn how to play it, though, as I didn't look at the box as thoroughly as I should have. <laughs> how is your German, Minty? Well, I did it in school. Yeah. Uh, need I go on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I did one year of German in year eight at secondary school. Yeah. And these days, the only things I remember, I know how to say my favourite castle, which is mein Lieblingsschloss. Yeah. So if there's any castle related trivia on the back of this box, I might be able to help out. Mm. But that could be the extent of my support on that one. There's that old joke, isn't there? I saw my German teacher the other day and she asked how I was doing and what I've been up to. I said, I've been going to the cinema with my brother. (laughs) (laughs) When I did my French speaking exam at GCSE, I thought the easiest way to get by was just learn like a phrase in all of the sort of tenses. Mm. So that when I was asked a question like, what did you do at the weekend? I just said, oh, I played football with my friends. Yeah. And then it was like, what are you doing on Wednesday? And it's like, I intend to play football with my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just got by like that. And you could see them thinking like, this is not really in the spirit of this. But, <laughs> you know, I ticked enough boxes to get by. Yeah, it's correct. But, oh, it's it's not right. No, no. <laughs> But the main event for me has been Digimon Survive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm now on to part nine of the story, and the developers have requested that for the first couple of months of the game's release, there be no spoilers past part five. Getting to part five, it is not hard to see why they have requested that, because it was a doozy of a chapter, let's say. Digimon as a franchise 
when it comes to the games and particularly the cartoon series as well. It doesn't shy away from slightly darker subject matter and this game is no exception. It is sort of concurrent with the current anime that's coming out at the moment, Digimon Ghost Game, which I haven't actually been able to find the time to watch as of yet because by the time that I learnt about it I was still halfway through Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and now mm. we've started watching Veronica Mars and there's so much content not enough time but the franchise as a whole has never shied away from darker themes more mature themes and this game really does have it in spades it's absolutely been worth the wait I have to say the years of delays and uncertainties they they just melt away as you're playing the game, much like the hopes and dreams of the children that are stranded in this digital world in this game. I'm absolutely fucking apoplectic at anyone who has written a single word about this game that isn't give it the Oscar. <laughs> like last week we covered those morons with nappies fuller than their skulls that reviewed bombed it because it didn't have enough grid-based combat for them which i can only assume is because they've been so desensitized by marvel films that they can't appreciate a decent story anymore without some beefy dingus throwing their hands around <laughs> yeah now i will hold my hands up and i will say that the pacing of the prologue of the first hour or so of the game is slow bit janky as well it's a good hour or two before you get to a real fight that isn't a tutorial that renders itself totally obsolete by its simplicity but for IGN to give it a six because of the simplicity of the combat dragging down what is one of the best visual novels that I've ever seen that's a whole new level of fucking porridge brained idiocy <laughs> that only really comes out when you have people that say, I like all music except rap and country, or I think Starmer could be the next prime minister. The combat <laughs> The combat is simplistic. It's not boring. Everything has two attacks, one element, one attribute, and the basic spread of stats. Special attack, special defense, physical attack, physical defense, speed, HP, and skill points. It's all you need because each round of combat uses every single one of these. And if you aren't paying attention to them all, you can get yourself pretty messed up. And it's never combat for combat's sake either. Like You're either fighting to training, you're either fighting as a more tactile representation of the story, you're pushing the story forward there. You're fighting to get new Digimon to join you as well, a la Shin Megami Tensei. It's fun chatting with the Digimon and seeing what makes each individual species tick. It's less about bribing them. It's like a little multiple choice quiz where you have to sort of dial into what each Digimon's personality is like and hope you get the right answer answer so that they join you and then you can start digivolving them completing your big digimon collectopedia monster decks whatever you want to call it it can get a little bit annoying when you completely beef one answer and they call you lame and run away but it's fine the combat is fine absolutely fine it's fire emblem light the thing that really really pissed me off about the ign review though it really fucks up when it calls the characters one-dimensional. To me, that is an unequivocal failure on the reviewer's part. Yeah. These are not one-dimensional characters. They are characters with dominant personality aspects, of course, but saying their defining characteristic is their only characteristic is just flat-out wrong. And I know I sound like that Reddit post about not appreciating the nuances of Rick and Morty, but it has not been... <laughs> 
<laughs> there hasn't been a single character where I haven't spent time talking to them, seeing them develop on their journey and not gone, oh, that's a new aspect of their character that we haven't seen yet. Or, oh, that's something that I hadn't considered from their past that explains why they're like this. It's a remarkable story. It's brilliantly told. And the only thing stopping it, in my opinion, from hanging in the fucking Louvre <laughs> is because you can't move a character around with your control stick and people can't make up their minds on why they baselessly hate it. I'm pissed off that this game is not more popular. And I'm pissed off that the franchise is not more popular as a whole. I'm glad I got that out of my system. And I'll have a more <laughs> level-headed appraisal of the game next week. It remains the Digimon game I'm most interested in playing mm. because it's been so divisive. I, I'm always drawn to anything that's not just like an open and shut, this is good or this is bad. And I think you're absolutely right. One of the real failings, I think, of just Western games media for a long time now is looking at a genre like visual novels and just writing them off, you know, as standard because there's nothing to do in it. But it's like you say, it's, it's about appreciating different genres of entertainment. And if you go into it knowing that that's what it is, then surely you're prepared to know that that's what it is. You're thinking about it in terms of how is a story written and how is a story told and how does the story then impact the gameplay sections like the strategy sort of combat RPG stuff. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. If you were to take the combat out and place it on its own, three out of ten game. Absolutely. Yeah. But where it fits into Digimon Survive as a whole, what you use the combat for, what the combat does to push the story forward, it is simplistic. It's not the best grid-based combat. It's not the best combat system I've ever played at all. But there are things that I think people are missing just because they're looking at it and going, oh, well, it takes a while for this input to be registered. You can only move three squares at a time. Like, there's a lot that people are missing. And I'm sad for it. I'm sad for it. I think if it had a real, real marketing push from Bandai Namco, if they had really like nailed down that this is a visual novel, it does have strategy elements, and they'd really gone to town with some good advertising for it to really sort of get the name of the game out there, I think it would scoop up awards. I really do. It's just destined to become a cult classic, sadly. Well, as long as people like you are enjoying it, then it has not failed in its mission. Even if there is that level of frustration that perhaps other people could enjoy it and just won't give it the time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But there we go. That's all that I've been playing this week. What about yourself, uh, Chris? For me, it's been lots more Steam Deck, naturally. But I have tried this week to actually play a few games for longer than the 10 minutes it takes me to test them and say, yep, that works. I was going <laughs> to say, have you actually played a game yet? <laughs> <laughs> But because of how I approach these things, the games that I sit down and actually play are never the ones that you'd assume. So it's not like the big marquee releases. It's not the, the AAA stuff to go, cool, imagine that running on a handheld. It's been stuff like I've played a decent chunk of the old mobile game Alpha Bear, if you remember that. It was that word game developed by the team behind Triple Town. And you're basically trying to create the best words using tiles that are available. And then each quad of tiles that you use up makes a little bear. And then the bigger the quad, the bigger the bear, the bigger the score. And it's really addictive. And you can play it for five minutes. You can play it for an hour. Like I said, it was a mobile game. So it fits that kind of rhythm. And I think I had it on one of my first iPhones. So we're going back a fair few years here. But it's been in my Steam library for a long time. And now I can play it on the deck with the touchscreen and it's lost nothing of its initial appeal in being transposed to a computer. And it's the type of thing that, you know, could come out on the Switch today and feel just as fresh. So maybe my stats, being probably the only concurrent player in the world right now, <laughs> is uh, pushing the developer to think, oh, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll revisit that in some way. Yeah, yeah. I've also got back into Pac-Man Championship Edition. 
that was the modernized high score chasing version of Pac-Man that came out on the Xbox 360 originally. And a few days ago, I watched a very long video that was kind of about Pac-Man as a game and Pac-Man's history and kind of Pac-Man as a concept. And I hadn't really realized that Championship Edition had actually had multiple versions, each tweaking its format in subtle ways. At some point, I had picked up Championship Edition 2 on the Switch, and I wondered why it didn't feel quite the same as what I remembered from the Xbox, like I didn't enjoy it as much. And from this video, I found out it's because it's really not the same, and it was developed more as a sequel to something called Championship Edition Plus, which in itself was kind of a deviation of the core of that game. And I know that no one cares about the ins and outs of Pac-Man, but the original Championship Edition is really good, and it's included in the semi-recent Pac-Man Museum, which came out for all consoles and Steam, obviously. And I've just had a really merry time revisiting a game that, like Alpha Bear, I loved years ago, hadn't seen for a long time, and now I've got access to it again in a slightly different form factor, and it's really good fun. Moving on to emulation, and sit down for this, people out there, the Steam Deck is able to emulate the Wii U pretty darn well, and I hadn't realised that Wii U emulation was as progressed as it is. But owing to that machine's small library, development has been a little bit different to other consoles. So whereas a SNES emulator, for example, is aiming to replicate the hardware of the original machine as accurately as possible, and in turn allows almost any game to run flawlessly, Wii U emulation seems to target hacks and workarounds on an almost per-game basis. So basically, Breath of the Wild running doesn't necessarily mean that Mario Kart 8 would run because there might be some core dependencies that are similar, but the implementation needs to be quite bespoke to get things kind of doing their job. But as I said, because it's such a small library, that means that in execution, the games that have had, you know, the most active love and development run almost flawlessly, even on quite low-powered hardware. And I've sampled Smash Bros, and with a few tweaks, we're looking at a pretty much perfect experience. I've played Star Fox Zero and Splatoon, which both run at a locked 60 frames a second, and both even support the Steam Deck's gyro controls for aiming. But most excitingly, I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles X, my favourite Wii U exclusive, on a handheld, and it runs great. Oh, fantastic. I've played the first five or six hours of that game this week, I'd say. It's really good. And although the game was unceremoniously dropped from my list, as I suggested that Breath of the Wild did open-world exploration better... Xenoblade Chronicles X still has such a unique flavour that I think I'd forgotten a little bit because I hadn't played it in such a long time. And forging your way through that world, discovering locations and beasties and collectibles, all whilst romping around, completing these kind of MMO-style quests for characters that are dotted about the place. It's just a very compelling game and one that I can't believe I'm playing via emulation on a handheld. It really was the last standout that meant that I've kept the Wii U you know, at hand in a cupboard, of course, but you know, I could pull it out if I need to. But if I have access to a game like Xenoblade Chronicles X, which for some reason doesn't seem like it's getting a Switch port anytime soon, maybe it's time for the console to finally be sunset because basically everything good from that machine is now on the Switch. It does take a bit of work to get things in place so that this stuff is playable and enjoyable on the Steam Deck, but it's just such a payoff when that does come through. And for anyone with a deck wanting to get into this stuff, if you look online for something called EmuDeck, it's basically an almost all-in-one solution to at least getting started with emulation on the machine. And it's not completely one and done. You do need to get comfortable using the desktop mode of the machine. But the rewards, like I said, are, are plenty. And playing something like Xenoblade in the palm of my hand on a machine that's really not meant to be running it is, is very exciting stuff. 
That's really interesting about the, the Wii U being on a game-by-game -game, uh, emulation basis there. I mean, it, it's interesting that the Wii U is being emulated because to me it still, still seems so recent. Yeah, yeah. I usually just think, oh, emulation is for all the stuff that's hard to get a hold of anymore. It's really interesting when you really dig into it. Like I said, it's that approach that for older machines where you've got hardware that's infinitely more powerful in modern machines, it's basically looking to be cycle accurate to what the original hardware was doing in the Game Boy or the Mega Drive or the SNES or whatever. And then as you move forward in time, because we're not that far removed from obviously like the release of the PlayStation 3 or, or the Xbox 360 or the Wii U, the approach developers take is quite different. So it's kind of getting like an initial base that everything else can then sort of build off of in these little prongs. But it does mean, like I said, that the compatibility for the games that have been given that kind of care is basically one-to-one. -one. They, they just work as they did out of the box. And in some cases, I swear Xenoblade is running probably better than it did on the Wii U, because that wasn't a particularly performant port on that machine, was it? It kind of definitely had its dips here and there. Yeah. Splatoon locked to 60 frames a second yeah. as well. That's a feat. I think... There's ways to even play it online, oh. which I haven't looked into. Like, really, I just want to play the, the single-player campaign again in kind of readiness for Splatoon 3 mm. because the, the single-player stuff is always really good in those games. And it's been a while since I've gone back to it again because it's been in the cupboard with the Wii U just <laughs> gathering dust. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they're just they're very unique experiences, the Splatoon games. They really don't play like anything else. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Mm. I'm thinking of dusting off Splatoon 2 before number 3 comes out next month. Yeah, I've not played it for years. It's criminal, really. The last little thing, which I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, I got wind of a fan project this week, five years in the making, to recreate the Game Gear-exclusive Sonic game Triple Trouble in the style of the Mega Drive Sonic 3 and & Knuckles. And generally, I don't pay sort of Sonic fan games that much mind because they are often of either dubious quality or just flat-out unfinished. And so I was pretty shocked to find that this title is A, complete and B, almost as good as the Mega Drive classics, and in some ways probably a better continuation of that era of Sonic than Sonic Mania was a few years ago. I'm almost at the end of my first playthrough now, and it really does capture everything of what makes Sonic 3 & Knuckles so dear to my heart. So you've got these beautiful stages and level design, you've got this fantastic music that all uses kind of appropriate sound fonts from the Mega Drive, you've got hundreds of incidental details, you've got good scope for exploration and replayability. it's just the full package really. And sadly obviously it's only PC at the moment, but it does only really require quite modest specs. So I would encourage anyone with the Mega Drive era appreciation of Sonic to give it a blast because it's, it's a freeware project, it's a few hundred megabytes, it's good fun. It's really brilliant stuff. And that's really been all I've played. And that's that for the week. I hope you enjoyed this little update as a stepping stone before the amendments conclude with one more round of episodes from next week. Do check out our website if you're serving the net and feeling bored. Remember, that's o3c.games or chat to us individually. We'd always love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at Chaz underscore Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Clement underscore Boo. And our dear, largely internetless friend resides at Jonathan Dunn. Tune in next time when BT Engineer Dependent will be back up and running with our regular scheduled format. Let go of my hand. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor.
Explode When Defeated presents something really neat and full of meat. Those children aren't going to protect themselves in a brand new podcast series about everyone's favorite giant reptile. Godzilla? No, we already did that one. Rodan? No, nope, uh, we did that one too. Gorgo? Gamera. We're talking about Gamera. From turtles to medieval samurai golems on our new series, Demolition Die. Only on the HyperX Podcast Network. I'm Colette. And I'm Matt. It's time to talk about the most important topic facing humanity. Video games. Change. Oh, okay, video games. <laughs> Every week on Colette and Matt have entered the chat, we have in-depth conversations about the games we're currently playing. We also talk to people who make video games as well as YouTubers, writers, and podcasters that you already know and love. We also talk about what you're playing when you join our community. Subscribe to Colette and Matt have entered the chat wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Class is back in session and HyperX has the grade A gear you need for dorm life, remote classes and for schooling folks online. Shop the HyperX back to school deals going on at HyperX.com to help make your return to student life a breeze. Comfortable clown headsets can help keep you focused and you cram for finals with some lo-fi beats and stay productive with lightweight pulse fire mice, responsive alloy keyboards and more. Keep your GPA and your KDA high with HyperX products and accessories.